Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Um, I have as my guest Dmitry Titov. He's a scientist at the European Space Agency, also abbreviated as ESA. So I'm uh, very glad to speak to him. I've spoken to a number of scientists at ESA, and uh, each conversation is a really great one. So thank you for being here. Thank you very much for your interest. Yeah. So um, the reason I wanted to talk to you is, uh, you know, an article that talked about uh, potential liquid water that was uh, observed under a, a polar ice cap on Mars um, came up in an article, so I wanted to ask you about it. Um, is this uh, what you're studying in particular at ESA? Yes, uh, you know this is uh, this is one of the this was one of the major goals of Mars Express. Uh, this is the ESA mission, uh, the orbiter at Mars, which is already 15 years in orbit, uh, which I'm responsible for. And um, uh, this was from the beginning one of the major goals to find water in different states. Well, for instance, the imaging instruments, they're seeing uh, the traces of ancient water floods and river beds uh, which were uh, which were occurred on the surface of Mars, say a couple of billion years ago. Huh. With spectrometers, with spectrometers, we see water in the atmosphere. Of Mars, with the particle uh, plasma instruments, we see water escaping the planets and changing the atmospheric composition. And now we see the water uh, under the uh, polar caps, under uh, kilometers of ice. Uh, we see indications of liquid water, and this is one of the major discoveries, I would say, from our mission. And uh, we are very glad that it happened because the mission is pretty mature, so to say, if not to say old. Right. And 15 years, spacecraft is already a great age. And we are really happy that even at this age, uh, we are still capable of doing something new. Hmm. So uh, when do you believe that water was flowing on Mars and rivers and, and all over the place? How long ago? Well, uh yeah, well, the geological with Mars Express and also, I must say, with NASA spacecraft, we have a very good survey now of the uh, geology of Mars and uh, cratering records. So basically, counting the number of different craters, different sizes of craters, we can, uh, we can derive the ages of different uh, geological units. And this kind of work, this is very cautious work of many people, really gives us an idea uh, how old the terrains are. And we see that uh, these, uh, well, relatively, um, well, wet period on Mars was about 3.5 billion years ago. So it was the first billion years of the history of the planet. It was long ago. And uh, since approximately 3 billion years uh, Mars is really very arid and dry planet, uh, and 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 again we are trying to understand why this happened. Is Mars as as old as Earth? I mean, what's the relative age uh, of the two planets? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, if you look at the at the theories and modeling of the 
of the formation of the solar system, basically we are neighbors, I mean Earth and Mars and Venus, they are neighbors and uh, the theories and numerical modeling it tells us that all these planets, the, how we call them terrestrial planets, they formed uh, approximately at the same period of time from the same part of the uh, protosolar nebula, uh, of this mixture of gas and dust, and this happened around 4.5 billion years ago. Hmm. Okay. So, um, are you able to figure out why Mars, I guess Mars had an atmosphere when it was first formed and the atmosphere uh, came away or boiled away or, you know, dissipated for some reason? Yeah, well, there are several reasons. Again, so the uh, brief answer will be that we still do not know details. But, uh, but the general understanding is that Mars is smaller, and for this reason, Mars cannot really keep the atmosphere as effective, for instance, as Earth or Venus do. Uh, and also, now that's what we're trying to figure out, uh, what is the rate of escape of the atmosphere? And this is what we're actually measuring, and we're trying to understand where this, all this water goes. Uh, over the period of several billions of years. And, but definitely we see that uh, the some kind of pieces of the atmospheric um, trace gases like water, like um, oxygen, they are blown away uh, with the wind, with the solar wind. Well, what, it, what is it like on the surface of Mars? Is it, I mean, it, you know, it has a gravitational effect on the space around it, but is there any atmosphere or is it just vacuum? No, no, there is atmosphere which is uh, approximately 1% in density or in pressure uh, of our Earth's atmosphere. So it's really, we call it tenuous atmosphere, uh, although it can, uh, well, you can see uh, very similar cycles that we see on Earth, like, for instance, we see dust storms like we were witnessing this summer. Uh, it was really very impressive when dust covers all the planets. Uh, we see similar things, for instance, in Africa uh, here on Earth. Uh, we see uh, polar caps uh, when the um, water vapor and uh, carbon dioxide, uh, they are being frozen on the polar, uh, polar regions of Mars. And this is a seasonal process because Mars also has a seasons like Earth does. So there are a lot of similarities, but of course there are lots of dif differences. Mm. So the, the water that you picked up, um, can you tell that it's liquid? Is it, it's, I guess it's below the polar ice cap? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, we do not see really, uh, say, rivers flowing in our measurement. And because this measurement uh, was done by radar, uh, the uh, surface, subsurface penetrating radar, and the main idea of this experiment is to send um, radio or electromagnetic pulses towards the surface of Mars and then listen to an echo which is returned by the surface and by different layers under the surface. Mm. So with this technique, we can penetrate down to several kilometers and especially in ice. And uh, we can see the contacts between different layers. For instance, in this particular case, this is between the layer of ice uh, in the polar cap and the basalt rocks. 
and uh, from the um, from the time delay when we're getting the echo, uh, we can derive uh, what is the thickness uh, of the uh, of the obstacle, and from intensity of this echo, we can derive uh, what is the dielectric constant. And why we can say that this is a liquid water is that only liquid water produces very bright reflections. And this is what we see in our uh, signals uh, acquired by this radar um, on Mars Express. Hey, when we've landed, landed a rover on Mars, where is it? Is it near the equator of Mars? Is it near the, you know, the, the poles? I mean, where is it? And um, have we ever landed a rover on the poles of Mars? Yeah, well, uh, you know, in this uh, rover and lander story, usually uh, engineering constraints are very strong. So basically, you need to land uh, in the place which is deep enough, I mean, which is which has uh, significant surface pressure, just in order to be able to uh, deploy parachutes and decelerate the descent. Second, you need to be in the equatorial region simply because you need solar power. But, uh, and so most of, the, most of the landers and rovers, they were operating, and they are operating like NASA uh, rovers now, are operating in the equatorial region for these reasons. Mm. But there was one, the Phoenix lander, which landed uh, close to the northern polar uh, regions. And of course, as we expected, it survived only uh, during the summer days when it had, uh, let's say, uh, 24 hours illumination by the sun, and as soon as the winter or the polar night came, uh, it died simply because of the lack of uh, power. But this was one very nice experiment that allowed uh, allowed us to really to understand the polar regions much better. Will we be able to land a probe or a, a rover, you know, at the polar ice caps, or is that too difficult right now? Well. Uh, I, th I think that sooner or later we will come to this point, and uh, it, it, technologically it's possible. As I said, Phoenix lander, uh, it, uh, it landed during the summer, and it could survive uh, for several months and really made very important observations. So we can go also to the southern polar lake deposits, and because this is really very attractive uh, place, because the polar lake deposits, it's not just a... Um, just a stack of ice. It's really a sandwich of ice and dust. And basically, it really keeps the record of, uh, well, probably several tens of millions of years of history of Mars. Uh, and mm. if, you, if you will be able to drill this ice, you really you will have a good understanding of what happened and what were the seasons, what were the epochs in the recent, say, 100 million of years. Right. So right now, what? How big are the uh, polar ice caps on Mars compared to Earth? Do they cover like thousands of miles, and does the ice appear to be, you know, kilometers thick, or does it look yeah. like? Yeah, the southern polar uh, polar cap or region of the polar ice deposits is about, uh, say, thousand kilometers across, uh, roughly. The thickness is, uh, say, few kilometers. Uh, there are different polar uh, polar caps. Uh, for instance, one is the um, polar cap, which is permanent. It's basically the old ice, water ice, uh, mixed with dust, about 20% of dust. 
On top of that, we have a seasonal deposition of uh, carbon dioxide frost and also water vapor frost. But these seasonal depositions, they, uh, they come and go. They, uh, of course, they are deposited during the polar night and then they sublimate or evaporate as soon as the sun comes uh, above the horizon in this particular place. Uh, amount of water ice uh, on the, in the polar caps is about the ice which is, in the, which is stored in the glaciers of uh, Greenland. So this is the usual, uh, usual comparison to the Earth's condition. One of the interesting things on Mars, speaking about these ice, uh, ice caps, is that this is one of just a couple of planets uh, which has the deposition of the uh, main component of the atmosphere uh, on the polar caps. Uh, main component is uh, carbon dioxide, and about 30% of the carbon dioxide, which is in the atmosphere, is deposited as ice, as frost, uh, in the polar regions. There are several meters of this frost. So you can imagine 30% of the atmosphere is traveling every year from the north polar regions to the south polar regions and back. So this is, oh. I think, very unusual. How, how did water get onto, um, I mean, isn't there a, de a debate and a question of how water first appeared on Earth? And, you know, will we learn anything from studying the water on Mars? I mean, like, you know, how did it get there in the first place? How did it form? Well, uh, I think that, again, so the general understanding is that uh, water is basically coming from the uh, subsolar nebula, uh, so when it withdraws, and then when the planet is formed, it's very hot. So basically, water is released from the, from the stones, from the rocks, and it fills the atmosphere. Uh, as soon as this, uh, what is called bombardment, or heavy bombardment of the planets with, uh, with meteorites, uh, which is very intensive and really it can melt the surface. As soon as it um, vanishes, the surface becomes colder and there is crust appearing on the surface of the planet and the atmosphere is formed around the body. Uh, and this atmosphere, of course, it contains CO2, it contains water, uh, so there is no problem to get water in this condition. Uh, then comes the escape, come the escape processes. And this is what we're trying now to understand with Mars Express as well, and uh, as well as uh, with maiden mission from NASA, how, um, how fast different gases are leaving the planet. And we see that really there is, there is intense, um, well, loss of the planetary atmospheres. We see that on Mars, on Earth, on Venus, we can compare and we can really uh, answer the question, what is the differences in the, say, evolution of those planets? Uh, what is the role of magnetic field, for instance, when on Earth we are having magnetic field and Mars does not have? What is the role of gravity? Because Earth and Mars, they have different gravity, mm. et cetera, et cetera. All these things are really interesting because they show us the really uh, complex behavior of very complicated uh, systems. Is there a net loss of water and carbon dioxide and atmosphere on Mars? And if, if so, how could it be going on for, you know, three and a half billion years or four and a half billion years and have anything left? Well, uh, 
again, so this is this is where we are now exactly getting these numbers. I mean, what is the loss? Uh, how much water is lost in space? So the recent estimates are uh, for Mars, for instance, that during the period of, of the history, during the history of uh, of the planet, uh, say about um, up to 100 meter of global ocean could have been lost uh, from Mars. So if you if you cover the planet with the global ocean, uh, it's about 100 meter that was lost. Well, there are lots of assumptions here. And we, we know the present state, we measure the fluxes of escaping atoms now, but they are, and we see that, they are very much dependent on, uh, on the uh, solar wind conditions. They're very much dependent on the UV flux from our star, meaning that uh, we need to extrapolate all these unknowns uh, into billions of years in the past to get the right number. But uh, but this work is being in progress, and really a lot of interesting results are coming. So what does that tell you that there's liquid water below the uh, polar ice caps on Mars? Like what what kind of things does that uh, suggest? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, this is first of all, this is very interesting uh, for the reason that the um, the surface of water cannot really keep uh, uh, surface of Mars, so it cannot keep liquid water, uh, liquid water, water in liquid state, simply because the pressure is too low. On Mars, water jumps from ice directly into the gaseous phase. Well, just uh, mm. not through the, not through the liquid state. So this means that when we see uh, water, liquid water uh, under the polar cap, this, first of all, this surprises a little bit. But then we understand that uh, it can be because the uh, pressure underneath the, say, couple of kilometers of ice is much higher than the pressure uh, than the pressure in the open atmosphere of Mars. Right. Second, uh, second, interesting that uh, we expect uh, we expect that there are different salts dissolved in this water. So it's not it's not the pure water. But it's uh, it's rather brine uh, with dissolved water with dissolved salt, uh, and uh, this uh, salt they can decrease the freezing point of water. So basically, we can expect mm. liquid water by the temperature of minus 30, minus 50 degrees. And uh, here again, the bridge to the Phoenix NASA Phoenix uh, mission. Uh, which detected up to 1% of perchlorate, uh, different salts in the northern polar regions of Mars. So if this perchlorate they exist in the south as well, and why should not they uh, exist there? So then this means that it's not really um, a surprise to see water uh, under, underneath the polar cap. Interesting and very interesting implication is for the question of life. Um, right. Because uh, uh, if this pocket of water, they existed there for millions and millions of year, years, uh, they were well protected from the dangerous UV radiation from the sun, which basically sterilizes all the surface of Mars. And this protection of about one kilometer of ice, uh, it really, it creates, it can create some kind of oasis uh, for life. So this is really interesting to well to think about whether or not there could be life there, or at least 
habitable conditions. You said Mars is bathed in enough UV that it's, you said it sterilizes the possibility to have life on it? What do you, what do you mean it sterilizes yeah, it? Yeah. What does it do? Yes, exactly. So because the atmosphere is so thin, it does yeah. not protect the surface from the UV radiation. And UV radiation and solar wind particles, they really penetrate very deep. And so this means that really the chance for life to survive, uh, unprotected life to survive on the surface of Mars is really uh, very slim. Mm, okay. Yeah, sure. So what other measurements can you take of the uh, the water on Mars underneath the ice cap? So you, it, uh, more measurements can be made. Is there anything else that can be found out about it, or are we kind of stuck for a while? Yeah, well, uh, that's what we hope to do with Mars Express uh, because um, uh, we we found this pocket of water, a small lake, about 20 kilometers across, uh, only in one place. But this was only the beginning of uh, really detailed investigation. Probably strange to hear that a uh, 15-years-old mission, something in the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, but before that, before that, uh, Mars Express was studying, so to say, in survey mode. We were trying really to get the coverage of the full planet. Now we are moving to the mode when we try to look at interesting places uh, with much better special resolution. And uh, so this was the first discovery, actually, uh, using this mode. So we will try to look at the polar cap and in the south and in the north in more detail and trying to see uh, the distribution of water pockets, their morphology, their relation to the uh, to the relief and to the topography. Mm. So this is, I think, a very nice task for the next several years. What do you hope to learn from studying the morphology of the, the water placement? Well, first of all, we will see if there are if there is some kind of correlations. We will see. Uh, we will we will be able really to understand how deep these reservoirs, because for the moment we only can conclude uh, that it is at least, say, one meter of liquid water or, um, say, mixture of water and ice and dust. And uh, if we identify uh, some relations to the uh, subsurface bedrock morphology, then probably we'll be able to understand in a better way uh, what is the what is the reservoir, how much water is there. Mm. Okay. Well, very good. Um, last question: When do you expect that you're going to get another pass over the uh, the ice caps to see more to get more data? Well, it's uh, you know the the orbit of Mars Express is evolving. It's uh, it's just just for natural forces. And uh, yes, there are some seasons when we are passing close to the polar cap, uh, which is called pericenter of the orbit. We are about 250, 300 kilometers above the surface in this region. And uh, so this will happen, I, well, as far as I remember, so in several months from now, and we will continue these observations. Yeah, and okay. this will repeat, I mean, this kind of seasonal coverage, it will repeat, uh, well, Northern Pole, Southern Pole, it will repeat. Uh, Is it easier to measure the poles, um, you know, at a certain point in Mars's orbit? You know, do the poles have any seasonality at all? Well, uh, they do, as I said, so there are That's right. seasonal components. Mm. Seasonal component, which is actually a tiny component, it's just a few meters. 
of the uh, CO2 ice, carbon dioxide ice, and water ice. The major portion is uh, major portion is about a few kilometers thick is the really permanent deposits. So basically, uh, for us it doesn't matter whether it is summer in the in the southern pole or it is winter. Uh, it doesn't matter. So we go and sound. Important is that we need to be close to the planet in the pericenter of the orbit. And second, we need to be at night uh, simply because. Uh, during the day, ionosphere of Mars is too dense, and the radar signal uh, they do not penetrate uh, down to the surface. So that's why we okay. we work with the radar. We are working during the night. Well, very good. Well, Dimitri, thank you for letting me know. And what what's the best place for people to get maybe uh, resources? I don't know if you have any pictures or you know anything on ESA's website. Uh, where people can find out more. Yes, thank you. And we will send you we'll send you the link to that. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. I appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh thanks again for your time. Thank you very much for your interest again. Thank you. Okay. Take care for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. You've been listening to Almost Here, around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast both to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.